How should we think about what has come to be called gender ideology? How does gender ideology actually look a lot like a religion? What is the view of truth that underlies the gender ideology discussion? We'll answer these questions and a lot more today with our guest, Joel Berry, uh, one of the founders and, and authors of the, the Babylon Bee website uh, in, in their new book called The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender. I'm your host, Scott Ray, and this is Think Biblically from Tablet School of Theology at Biola University. Joel, thanks so much for being with us. I loved your book. I oh. love, the, love the Babylon <laughs> Bee site. Uh, it's, well, a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Uh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's, yeah. it's an honor to be here, and it's it's nice to talk to someone who uh, appreciates the work too. Well, t- our, some of our li- some of our listeners might not be familiar with the Babylon Bee, so just tell us a little bit about what it is, and why should people pay attention to it? <laughs> yeah, well, um, the Babylon Bee was started uh, back in 2016 uh, by a guy named Adam Ford, and, and he was an atheist all his life. He kind of had this miraculous conversion to, to Christianity. And um, back in 2016, he, he had this idea to do something similar to what The Onion does. So if you're familiar with The Onion, it's a, it's a fake news site like the Babylon Bee. Um, they kind of do dry AP-style news that's very funny. Um, and uh, they, had, they had put out a headline um, this was after the Obergefell decision that uh, decided gay marriage in the Supreme Court. Um, the Onion had put out a headline, something to the effect of um, four Supreme Court justices suddenly realize that they will soon be the villains in an upcoming Oscar-winning movie. <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> clever, you know. Like it, even if you're on, I mean, the Onion they're they're leftists, you know. But even if you're on the right, you can kind of. There's a there's a note of truth to that. I'm I'm sure that I don't know if the movie's come out yet, but I'm sure it will be made at some point. Um, and so Adam kind of thought, why why aren't we doing this? You know, and and so he started this thing, the Babylon Bee. Uh, our editor in chief, Kyle Mann, came on within a few weeks of of the Bee being founded, and um, it was kind of an overnight success. It was it was weird um, because people really latched onto it, and I think the initial attraction was you had these guys that were Christian. And they were writing funny stuff, which is kind of unheard of. I mean, since when have Christians been funny? <laughs> and and it was poking fun at church culture in a, in a good-natured way. You know, I think a lot of the times when Christians see themselves represented in pop culture, it's it's in a way that is clearly written by people who don't understand Christianity or, or hate Christianity. And so here were these people making jokes in a way that was affectionate towards Christians that was doing it kind of from the inside, you know, and then, and then Trump was elected. This was in 2016. Trump was elected. And, and as you well know, the evangelical world kind of had this huge schism over Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I think a lot of people were angry. A lot of people were frustrated. A lot of comedians at that time lost their sense of humor because uh, Trump was such a polarizing figure. And, and so we kind of thought, well, let's, you know, Trump is really funny. And, um, you know, what if we, what if we make fun of Trump in a way that is also good natured, that isn't coming from a place of hatred and anger. Um, and from there it just blew up. And and so since then we've done church jokes, we still do church jokes. Um, they don't get as much traction and, and shares as our political humor does anymore, but we still do the church jokes. We do a lot of uh, political satire and, um, you know, now we're just competing with the absurdity of reality every day. Yeah. Um, you know, reality gets more and more absurd. So the, the you know, the, 
tell tell our listeners a little bit about some of the other uh, Babylon Bee guides that have been written. <laughs> yeah, so a few years ago, we wrote our first one, which was the Babylon Bee Guide to Wokeness, which um, that was when wokeness was a, a huge buzzword. Um, and we kind of we kind of examined everything that wokeness entails from, you know, race to gender um, to activism. Um, we, we talked a lot about Antifa and, and these guidebooks are really just very kind of funny, uh, cartoonish uh, guides kind of written in the voice of a leftist. They have a lot of, uh, you know, stick figure illustrations and, and diagrams uh, teaching you how to do stuff. So, for example, in the Guide to Wokeness, they, we had a, a chapter on uh, fight moves, activist fight moves, how to, how to destroy a Nazi. Um, uh, so that was our first book. And then our, our book last year was the Babylon Bee Guide to Democracy, where we kind of just poked fun at, at really both sides, the left and the right, and this crazy political system in America. And then this year we have the Babylon Bee Guide to Gender. And that just kind of felt like the next natural thing for us. We've been making these jokes uh, for years now. Gender ideology is very much kind of the the main cultural conversation right now. Uh, There's a lot of angst and frustration and anger over it on both sides. And so we thought, yeah, well, it's time to maybe give this the uh, the Babylon Bee treatment. So tell our listeners a little bit, what are you trying to accomplish with this book on gender? Yeah, well, I think first of all, we we want to bring some levity to the the conversation. Um, you know, gender ideology is pretty dark, <laughs> and there's a lot of evil in it, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people who are wringing their hands and and worry over this. We think a lot about you know I have young kids. We think a lot about what kind of mm-hmm. um, world are our kids going to grow up in, um, and so. You know, I, I think there's there's a place for righteous indignation. There's a, pl- a place for uh, for anger, um, but we wanted to introduce some laughter because I think we want to remind people that um, you know, as imposing and scary as this this you know cultural movement seems, sometimes um, it really is very silly and ridiculous, and it deserves to be laughed at. And I think laughter brings courage when we can laugh at something when we can laugh at the monster it, it suddenly isn't scary anymore and so um you know our, our goal is to entertain our goal is to uh, induce laughter but ultimately hopefully you know give people courage and, and help them realize that you know it doesn't take much this entire worldview will collapse in on itself and we just have to be strong we have to be courageous and um you know, remember uh, who's in charge, who's in control. You know, we serve a, a God who is still on the throne, and we can be happy warriors when we remember that. Well, and I think too, you know, the the, the laughter that is generated, uh, I think, d- does a, a couple of really helpful things. For, for one, I think it just introduces some levity into topics that are so divisive, which I think is is helpful in that it just it just helps us take ourselves a little less seriously. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in our cultural moment, that's that's something that's badly needed. And so it seems to me you all are providing, you know, a really a really good service uh, that is a benefit in the particular cultural moment that we're in. So Joel, as you know, there's a ton of material out there on gender and gender ideology. How how would you summarize the book's general take on the gender ideology discussion? 
Um, <laughs> what, what we, what we did in this case was, uh, you know, we, we wrote it kind of in a leftist voice. So you're, you're reading this book as if it was written by someone who adheres to gender ideology. Um, and we, uh, you know, we're, we're really just kind of reviewing, um, what gender ideology is, what it says, um, and we're we're stretching it a little bit, you know, we're we're exaggerating it a little bit, but I think the the irony uh, with this is that it did not take that much exaggeration to be really funny. Um, you can almost just you could write a straight book about gender ideology, and a lot of it would read like satire. Um, but you know, I, I think the general take I think is that um, that it's silly. I mean, there's there's a lot you could say about it, that it's dangerous, that it's damaging, that, um, you know, that it goes against natural law and, and, uh, you know, it goes against God. Our take is that it's, it's really ridiculous and it doesn't, none of it makes any sense at all. <laughs> okay. So that, I mean, it, it's interesting to hear that, I mean, you know, part, part of what satire is, is, uh, you know, ex- exaggeration in order to make a point. Uh, but I, you know, as I read throughout the book, I, I just I wondered to myself, how much how much did they actually have to exaggerate about? Because a lot of the things that you mentioned that I think if people weren't familiar with the, with the gender debate would take, oh, they're just making that up. But <laughs> not not so much. Um, yeah. And I think that a lot of the stuff that you point out is stuff that I you know that I've read and I'm familiar with. Um, and so it sounds like there, you know, how much exaggeration was there? Yeah, um, not much at all. Um, you know, what we did was we, we kind of ground things in the first couple chapters. We have a, a chapter on men and a chapter on women. Um, and that was kind of fun because we got to put a lot of those classic, you know, male, female differences jokes in there. Um, and then from from those first two chapters, you kind of just jump off the diving board into this insane world where uh, nothing nothing makes any sense and anything goes. Um, and uh, the funny thing is it too is I think since we wrote this book, uh, you know, late last year, the beginning of this year, things have gotten even more insane. Um, I, I think there's probably a few things that are even outdated in the book at this point. I, I think we we uh, we discussed like 432 genders in the book. Um, I'm sure there are many more than that at this point. <laughs> so it, it can be hard to keep up with reality. You know, one of our favorite quotes is, is from GK Chesterton who said that, um, you know, satire is diminished in this current epoch because, um, reality has become too absurd to be satirized. You know, that was back in, you know, it was back a hundred years ago, and and here we are now. Um, it's it's really hard to keep up with the, the craziness. So you're so you're 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 more just re- reporting what you're seeing as opposed to satirizing <laughs> yeah. it uh, in, increasingly. Yeah, that's, that's almost it. We we kind of see ourselves as reporters from Clown World. You know, like <laughs> um, where we are, uh, we're serious journalists. You know, and and the voice of the Babylon Bee, if you read our articles, is is kind of a dry, serious tone. But the content and what we're talking about is just so silly and ridiculous. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of the voice of the bee. So give, give our listeners a, cu- a couple of examples uh, from the book of the things about the gender ideology that you're poking fun at. 
Um, let's see here. I mean, what we did was um, we had our men and women chapters. Uh, chapter three, we we discussed the rest of the genders, 437 other genders. Um, and in that chapter, we have this uh, thing called the genderator, which uh, will help you determine what your gender is. Um, so you can you can plug in some information about yourself and it'll give you um, give you your gender. And that's that's really how arbitrary it is, I think. And that's one of the, the points of gender ideology is that it doesn't necessarily matter what your gender is. Um, it could change. It can be fluid. Um, what really matters is whether or not you subscribe to this ideology and you and you accept it uh, all the way. You know, it's a religion that, in that sense, you're either, you're either in or you're out, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, so so that's that's really, I think, when it when it comes down to it, um, this is, I think, just the latest iteration um, in our culture of the oldest struggle in existence, which goes all the way back to, you know, Lucifer. Um, saying, you know, I, I will be like the most high, you know, I'm going to not let my creator define who I am. I'm going to define who I am. I'm, I'm going to be my own God. And, um, and that's what this is. You know, we, we have a generation that says, you know, I'm not going to let myself be defined, um, by my creator. I'm going to choose that for myself. And, um, it, you know, that's, that's really the core of it. And, what, whether or not this this movement will last, I don't know. You know, I think that it'll probably collapse in on itself at some point. But but that lie, that that central struggle, you know, between God and man, and between humility and pride, um, w- will always take new forms. You know, through the years. You know, so who knows what it'll be next? But I'm I'm sure the Babylon Bee will be there to make fun uh, of it. I'm sure that anyway. I'm sure you will. And that, <laughs> I think that's a great point about the original lie. There's actually nothing new about this. Um, yes, you know where the, the temptation for Adam and Eve was to was that they would be like God with a with a maker's view of reality, um, mm-hmm. which is you know very as you know very different from being the recipient's view of reality. Um, yes. So, well, a lot a lot of you have a lot in the book that was that I thought was really insightful, uh, and I that those insights came. You know, when I stopped laughing, Um, (laughs) but there's a lot about the power of language when it comes to gender that you that Mm. you all highlight on this. Some of how are some some of the ways that you highlight that? How do you think the culture's view of language has changed over the years? Yeah, well, I think the way language should work and the way that it was viewed in the past is that you know there is a reality all around us. That exists independently of us. There is there are truths that exist independently of us, and language is meant to describe um, reality. And I think what has taken place in the last you know few decades with the postmodern movement, and now that whatever it is now, a post postmodern movement or or whatever, is is this idea that. Um, language doesn't describe reality. Language creates reality. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you hear it a lot with the, the whole idea of my truth and your truth, um, that, uh, that we define what truth is. We define what reality is. Um, it doesn't matter if it 
conflicts with what can be observed in the outside world or conflicts with what other people might think or believe it's, it's your truth. And it just goes back to that idea of, of kind of, um, you know, people wanting to be their own gods. Um, they've rejected the truth that's been given to them. That's been revealed to us in creation and God's word. And they, they want to make their own version of it. Yeah. This is, this, I think this whole gender area is a, a really good example of, uh, the, the cultural moment of living your truth. Um, and yeah. you know, that we, we, we simply, you know, we simply designate, you know, a lot of the things that we deem to be true simply by the power of being able to designate them. Um, yes. And that, now you, you mentioned that there's a, there's a different view of truth, uh, that underlies the gender discussion too. a much more sub- subjective view of truth. Help our listeners understand wh- kind of where that came from and where, where do you see this Sub- subjective view of truth, where it's based on, on how I feel, uh, whereas objective view of truth is, you know, how I feel is irrelevant to whether something's true or not. In subjectivity, how I feel is the only thing that matters in in the, the determination of truth. So, where where do you yeah. see this subjectivity in the the gender ideology discussion? Yeah, well, you know, I I recently um, finished a a really good book. I, you may have had this this guy on your podcast. I'm not sure, but Carl Truman's book. Oh um, yes, we did. Rise and Triumph for the Modern Self yes. uh, is really revealing as to how, really, just the line of thinking that that traces its way back to you know French philosophy and um, this idea of your inner self um, is is where the truth lies, and that that a good life is is lived by you know, living the most authentic life, you know, revealing your inner self to the world and, and you, being you who do you, you are on the outside. You do you. Exactly. You, actually, Kyle and I wrote a, a novel a few years ago where that um, has this Satan character in it. And he's he's like this chill kind of nice guy. And he always says, you do you. That's his, his catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it, um, y- yeah, I mean, um, I think we have we're we've we're in this age where kind of everything that has been passed down to us um from our ancestors from you know the the scriptures from just common sense and wisdom um is being deconstructed um and they're they're really they're trying to replace it with something from scratch i mean they're they're, they're trying to rebuild a, a new kind of moral order, a new, uh, completely new worldview, um, out of whole cloth. And it just, um, it's so, it's so flimsy and, and so self-evidently, uh, built on nothing. Um, it just, it doesn't take much for it to kind of fall down. Um, you know, and I, I think there's this weird stubbornness, where I get the sense that a lot of the people that subscribe to this ideology don't even deep down, they don't even believe it themselves. Like they, I think their consciences tell them that <laughs> what they're saying isn't true, but it's, it's almost this, this stubborn pride of, I don't care if it's not true. I don't care if it's not right. My will is, is all that matters, you know? Um, kind of a, almost a, a better to 
better to uh, reign in hell than serve in heaven something like type that. of outlook yeah you know yeah this is um that, that uh, the you know the, the different view of truth i think is a that, that is a huge cultural shift and i think you're you're right i think to poke fun at that because in reality nobody actually lives consistently that way um, right and you know i think even I think the you know the you do you idea is going to break down eventually, uh, and I think you you all I think do a good job of pointing of pointing at that and pointing toward what I think that breakdown might actually look like. You know, I'm yeah. Gonna, well, I wonder sometimes too, like you know, what's what's next for us? I mean, how how far can things dissolve? How far can this deconstruction go before something else reasserts itself? Um, or a cultural movement that's even worse reasserts itself um, in the form of a, a tyrant or or something. Um, one wonders what the endpoint is for this because it, it can't go much further than it is now. I would. And I, yeah, I wonder if we're about we're you know we're getting close to making a U turn culturally um, and see, seeing this come back uh, more toward I think what we would call a more sane view of what gender is about. Now, I know you, you would also, you mentioned the book that uh, uh, the gender ideology has a lot in common with what, what religions typically do. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you spell that out just a little bit further? And particularly how, I mean, you, and you, you poke fun at a lot of that too, um, but yeah. I think, but there's a really serious point to be made there that, that the adherence of the gender ideology that's rampant in the culture today do have a lot of the same characteristics of adherence to traditional religions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, it has a lot in common in the sense that th these are things that have to be taken on faith. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. <laughs> you just have to believe it. Um, they, this ideology has, uh, they have doctrines, they have dogma, um, they have things that you have to recite. Um, they even have their own version of, uh, you know, phylacteries, uh, in the, in the form of, you know, pronoun pins. Um, I, I remember going to a, a convention once and, uh, they, at the door, as you went in, they had these big baskets where you could, um, pick a, a pin that had pronouns on it so that you could wear these big yellow pins with your pronouns on them. And, and I thought when I saw that, I was like, the, the purpose of this is not to uh, help people be more polite and use each other's proper pronouns. The, the purpose of this is to show everyone who is in and who is yes. out, who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Um, you know, and that's, it's, it's just like the, kind of like this religious iconography that goes with it. Um, you know, they're, they have a whole priesthood. They have, um, they have leaders that, that you're supposed to follow and, and honor. Um, they have an entire language that goes with it, uh, that doesn't make sense unless you subscribe to the, the, uh, the entire thing. Um, they, they will, they have a, um, you know, they threaten you with, uh, you know, I, I remember um, recently I was talking to a, uh, someone on, on the left who was talking about how cruel it is to, um, to tell a child that if, if they don't believe in Jesus, then they're going to hell. Um, 
but they have their own version of that. I mean, they'll, they'll tell people that if, if, you know, they, they'll, they'll tell this to children that if people don't affirm your gender, right. Um, or if you deny your gender or don't live true to your gender, then you'll commit suicide. <laughs> you know, they threat. they have their own yeah, like kind yeah. of horrific, uh, end that, that they threaten people with. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's very similar to lots of other things we've seen that, you know, climate, uh, uh, you know, Gaia worship, um, you know, with the environment, we see it with, you know, people who are way too far, way too into politics. Um, you know, anything can become its, its own idol, um, if you allow it to be. And, uh, that's, that's really what this is. It's, this is a kind of a new golden calf. Um, and the, the role of the prophet is to, to make fun of these golden calves, you know, and anything that sets itself up against God is, is going to do a lot of damage. It's going to hurt a lot of people. Um, but it's also, there's, there's some inherent comedy with an idol, you know, the idea that you have this stone image that you have to carry, it's your God, but you have to carry it around mm-hmm. and it, you know, be careful. It might fall over. There, there's even a passage I think in, in the old Testament where one of the prophets uh, warns the idolaters, you better nail down your idol uh, because a, a, a light breeze might come along and, <laughs> and tip it over. Um, and that's, that's what we're doing at the Babylon B. You know, we're, we're just, we're making fun of idols, you know, not just because it's, it's good comedy, but, also because we as Christians, we have something that is a lot better and we, we have the answer and we want, we want people to, to know our savior, um, you know, who has the answers to all of these problems and all of these questions that cause people to dive into these different damaging ideologies. Jesus has the answers to all those. And, um, and, and he is a, a better King and he is the true God and, and, um, we want people to, to turn to him. We want people to see that hope that we have, you know, as comedy writers making fun of this stuff that, you know, it's, it's not just coming from a place of cynicism or, or we're trying to, um, you know, just deconstruct everything ourselves, but we're also trying to point to where the truth is. You did a whole chapter on deconstructing the nuclear family. Uh, yes. It has a lot of rhetoric that you cite um, that I originally I thought, Clearly, that's an exaggeration. Uh, but I, as the more I read it, the more I'm thinking, you know, probably not so much. Uh, that mm. that's based uh, – that, that a lot of that's not, you know, not fabricated. That's not made up. Um, it's not an exaggeration. It's really some of the rhetoric that people are saying out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I get that right? And if so, why is the – part about deconstructing the nuclear family such a focal point of the book yeah um well it's it's weird that it's 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 come under attack you might remember back when you know black lives matter was um you know doing its thing after after george floyd um you could go to the website of black lives matter and they had kind of their statement of faith so to speak and one of their points was talking about deconstructing the nuclear family. Um, and everyone was kind of taken aback. Like, why is that a part of black yeah. lives matter? Like, you know why? you know, and when you realize a lot of these ideologies kind of flow into each other, um, th- one of the central, you know, tenets of this ideology, um, is to 
attack um, what is really something that was designed by God. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion with this term, the nuclear family. And, you know, they people have it all wrapped up in this kind of like Western 1950s uh, idea of right. a, a man, housewife, and a dog and two kids. But when I think of the nuclear family, what I'm talking about is, um, you know, what Jesus said, I think in Matthew, when he said, you know, um, God made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And so I, I see that that union um, between a man and a woman. So, uh, marriage as designed by God as a picture of Christ in the church. That's, that's the nuclear family. And that's like the, that's like the, the building block of a, of a healthy society and a healthy culture is, is this is a family, a man and a woman joined in marriage who love each other, who are raising their children um, and teaching them. And um, in order for gender ideology to succeed um, they have to, first of all, they have to separate kids from their parents. They have to undermine that relationship because parents want to protect their kids from this stuff. Um, you see, you see Marxist ideology entering into there too. You have this idea of parents being the oppressor class and kids being the oppressed class. And so you have to separate kids from their parents and then you have to separate uh, husband from wife. Um, and you have to put a wedge in that relationship. Um, you know, I think it's, it's all this kind of this movement to, um, to dissolve these, these bonds of relationship and hierarchy and, uh, mutual submission and, um, and service that God has created and create these individual gods, you know, unto themselves, you know, we, um, it's, it's, it's replacing this idea of the family with this idea of autonomy. And I've been thinking a lot about autonomy lately. Just this, this idea of autonomy has become like really the only moral North star that the left has anymore is this idea of autonomy. And, um, when you think about it, I mean, there's nothing godly or Christ-like about autonomy. I mean, God himself lives in a trinity, you know, right. where the, right. the son submitted to the father and they were in relationship with each other. And, and human beings as made in his image. Um, God made us to be in relationship with each other in these, in these families. Um, and so, you know, that has to be destroyed. You know, Satan wants to destroy that. Um, and so, you know, we, we kind of play with this idea in the book of, you know, God, um, you know, God was this evil patriarch um, and uh, the hero, the hero, Satan came along and, and he was the first one to kind of help dismantle uh, this patriarchal oppressive nuclear family when he helped Eve, uh, you know, escape the, the domineering leadership of Adam, you know, so we, we kind of write it from the perspective of a leftist, but it really is, it, it really is how they talk and it is really how they see, um, the family. And, and so that's, that's why I always go back to, you know, if we're to, to fight this, if we are to oppose this, um, the first thing that we need to be, uh, looking at is our own families and, and our own children and our relationship with our spouses, making sure that, that we're building godly and Christ honoring families. Here, here. I appreciate I appreciate that emphasis not only in 
in the book, but just the way the way you've explained that. Joel, this has been so fun it's been a really rich conversation. I want to commend to our listeners not not only the book, The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender. I think you'll have a lot of fun reading this. Uh, but also, if you're not familiar with the Babylon Bee site, um, I'd really encourage you to be a, regu- a regular reader of the things that they post. Uh, it's a real. It's just. It's just a fun, lighthearted, uh, satirical way of looking at the, the news and current current trends and current events. And uh, you know, you guys, you're doing a great job with that. Uh, and it, 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 it's a, it's a lot of fun. So we're we're really grateful for uh, for your work on this and uh, for especially especially your work on the Babylon Bee. Well, thank you. We really appreciate that. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll also say too that this book, um, you know, we are we are one hundred percent like fan supported at this point. Um, social media doesn't let our our articles get out the way they used to. Um, we can't re- really rely on ad revenue anymore. And so um, selling these books and, and people who subscribe to the B, that's how we make our money. So I, um, all the support for this, this book is really appreciated. Um, I, I think that people who buy it, they won't, be, they won't regret it. It's a really fun thing. It's a really fun gift. So um, I encourage people who, if you want to support the B, check out the book for sure. Well, I, yeah, it's, and it's, I, w- I would concur it's definitely worth supporting. So we're grateful, grateful for you coming on with us. Thanks so much, Joel. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Good. it. This has been an episode of the podcast, Think Biblically, Conversations on Faith and Culture. If you want to submit comments, ask questions, make suggestions on issues you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like us to consider, you can email us at thinkbiblically at biola.edu. That's thinkbiblically at biola.edu. Enjoy today's conversation with Joel Berry. Give us a rating on your podcast app and share it with a friend. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, think biblically about everything.